Thank you very much, and good morning to everybody. It is uh, it's 7.45 at home, so the good news is, is that I get to work in about 15 minutes, and I'm going to really wake up in the middle of this uh, presentation, which bodes well for all of us. Uh, I do wear two hats at the University of Washington. I'm a faculty member in psychiatry and behavioral sciences, and I'm part of a team that for years has been doing research on college student alcohol use, uh, more recently uh, marijuana use, since there's nothing exciting in my state to talk about with that. Uh, uh, prescription stimulant use, but importantly approaches to how we work with students on those issues. Uh, the other half of my job uh, involves trying to bring what the science says to our students. So I work with Greek Life, the residence halls, intercollegiate athletics, counseling center, health center, uh, really in the uh, individually focused uh, approaches. Um, and for those, that I must say, I feel very at home because uh, much like students at UW, these rows are completely empty. Uh, these are the good students right here, and the troublemakers are back there, and so I, I'll keep an eye on, on you guys. Um, I want to echo something Ian said. Um, Linda Major is like a hero in our field, and uh, I really, I, truly, what a gem you have in the state of Nebraska. I was texting with a friend from Oregon who's like, she's a prevention all-star, be sure to say hi. So uh, just know truly how much respect nationally there is for the work that you've all done here, including the work you've done with coalitions and, and groups like this. So I just want to start by acknowledging uh, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism really drove this ship and they said we need to get this alcohol intervention matrix out there. And we worked most closely with uh, Vivian Faden, Shuli Babbitts, and Fred Donadeo. Uh, I want to certainly acknowledge the four members of the college AIM teams from UW and Minnesota not here, but I told Tobin how fun this is going to be presenting with him. He's one of my favorite presenters, but we've never actually tag teamed before, so uh, it'll be great to be a part of a presentation together. Uh, Megan Hopkins, who is not only unbelievably uh, patient in lining all this up, but uh, uh, really, really pulled this off, so thank you again to Megan, uh, and uh, again acknowledging Linda Major. Uh, the last time I was here, uh, Linda uh, really, really made my experience uh, more exciting uh, but it's kind of like when you buy a lottery ticket for someone for their birthday, right? I mean, it's like you either got a million dollars from me or nothing. Um, so I hope it's not the nothing. And she said, uh, I want you to come to the, uh, we were looking at a time for me to come, and University of Washington was playing Nebraska. And I got an amazing football experience where I actually um, got to, this is completely black. That does not bode well at all, since on my computer, that's not what it looks like. Due to budget cuts, we're eliminating the slides for today. Uh, well, I was supposed to show you a picture I took from the field, and even though we lost that day, uh, I still won because I learned something even better about Lincoln, and uh, there's, there's the picture. Uh, so there's, I took this picture. That's a lot of red. I still get nervous when I see red. Um, uh, but even though we lost, you know when you can lose but still feel like you won something? Uh, I learned about the glory of the Runza, which let me tell you right now, that's a good invention. Do you want bread? No, no thank you. Do you want bread with meat and cabbage in it? Go on. Because uh, the answer there is always yes. Uh, so um, I do want to acknowledge that this is, a lot of people say, wow, we've, we're finally looking at college student drinking, but this is not new. This is officially over a 70-year journey without doing any disrespect to the history of this. Because we've had to look at some of the history, I just want to show you uh, a couple highlights. People debate what the first article ever written about college student drinking is, and we think it was from 1945. We haven't been able to find something earlier than that, but it was a really short article. Uh, that must have been a great time to be a professor because the lit reviews were really short because there was like, well, there's no literature to look at, so two references is perfect. Um, but um, uh, uh, Clements Collard Fry in 1945 
wrote a very short uh, article that was really a heads up to the academic community. And some of the stuff written in there is laughable if we read it now. Some of it could have been written yesterday. But Fry says um, the biggest troublemakers on campus were the faculty. And they said if you look at parties, it's the faculty of the troublemakers. These parties are often attended by faculty members, some of whom are selected to respond to the chant, old professor so-and-so is in the alcohol ward. Say the person's name, drink, drink, drink. Cheers or moans and laughter follow this performance according to the speed with which the professor empties his glass. These parties break up after a few hours of song and good fellowship. They do not occur often, but are part of the life of colleges and are accepted by the community as such. We would never accept this now. So I think what this highlights is that even things that people are like, well, it's a tradition, they can change. Traditions can change. Things that seem like they've been around, in quotes, forever, things that seem like they've been, quote, accepted by the community as such, can and do change. You've seen that here, both in this community and even statewide, and so it really is acknowledging some of those changes. They talk about uh, uh, Greek life, and they say that um, wine is often served at fraternity dinners in the hope that members will learn to appreciate proper wines with food. Uh, and that although milk and soft drinks are extremely popular in American colleges, the consumption of them being greater than other beverages, a special snobbism is sometimes to be associated with the appreciation and knowledge of fine wines. But Fry goes on to say, but heads up everybody, I'm starting to wonder if the point of some of these parties is actually to get drunk. If it is, we should probably be aware of that. So he actually warns that a state of intoxication could be the primary purpose of some events. He goes on to say, now that World War II is coming to an end, what are we going to do to support returning veterans? Uh, what role might alcohol play in coping when under pressure in the college setting? And that's something that, that of course, on college campuses we're, we're, we're looking at right now. It took years, though, before people actually started shedding light on, is this an issue? And the first national study, and it's what many people uh, attribute to be the first article, uh, it took eight years, but it came out in 1953. Uh, Strauss and Bacon did the first widespread study of drinking at 27 colleges and documented, yeah, this is, in fact, a thing. Uh, it took a long time for me in Google Images to find that picture because this report's actually really hard to find. Uh, and fortunately for me, I knew that I was looking for that report because in Google, when I Googled um, this article, Strauss and Bacon, uh, Google Images mainly gave me the composer, Johann Strauss, and bacon, which is, uh, which you can all agree is delicious. Uh, so, jump forward, skipping a lot of time, 50 years. In April of 2002, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism released a call to action task force report, which is still downloadable at their website. Uh, all of these slides as a PDF will be sent to you when this is done, so know that these links will be there. Uh, but they organized what works in impacting college student drinking into four tiers. They looked at first, what do we know works with college students in reducing drinking, consequences, or both? And to at least have evidence, they needed to be two or more studies with a randomized controlled uh, component and with behavioral outcomes. Tier two, what do we know works with the general adult population that we could try uh, with, other, uh, with college settings? Tier three, what has logical and theoretical promise but just needs to be studied further? Tier four, what just doesn't work? Uh, there was an update that, came, that, when that came out, this was front page news. Front page news in numerous outlets. Uh, Ralph Hinkson made estimates based on population data about the impact to loss of student life. Uh, the hardest part of working in this field is when there's uh, a student death and looked at really what this was doing on our college campuses. And so people got it. And for at least when this first came out, there was a lot of enthusiasm both on and off campus to look at how we could respond. 
There was an update that came out in 2007. There have been a range of scientific papers, but this college alcohol intervention matrix is really the first significant update uh, since 2002. Tobin's gonna talk about some of the research he did, and I didn't wanna take from that at all, about the degree to which campus administrators were even aware of these issues, but it brought us to college, alcohol, college AIM, which the goal was, can we move beyond tiers? The idea of tiers of effectiveness, this tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, on the one hand, was a great way to organize uh, these uh, approaches, but it's really acknowledging that there are individual and environmental approaches and that it's all about a strategic plan. If a campus says, we're gonna do this one thing, awesome, what else are you going to do? What package deal are you going to look at? Uh, and that that, that's literally where the move occurred to the uh, college aim uh, matrix. The overarching goal, how do we increase the likelihood that it's science, it's research, that informs interventions to address drinking on campuses, both by providing a framework for schools to compare and choose what we know is out there that works in the scientific literature. Uh, I want to acknowledge I made reference to these teams. Um, I only half joke when I say of all six, I'm fairly convinced I was the sixth most valuable player on the team. Uh, the, the respect I can say that our, our UW team has for what Tobin and, and his group, uh, Tracy Toomey, headed the environmental strategies team and uh, worked with Tobin and Kathleen Lank. Uh, Mary Larimer, um, who I have had the honor of working with uh, uh, since I was an undergrad, actually. I was an undergrad in, in 1989 uh, when I was 11, um, working, that part was a joke, uh, working, uh, working with Mary as a grad student at the time. Uh, Jessica Kruntz, who's left the University of Washington, is at the University of Oregon, uh, really on top of friends, uh, people I respect so much in this field. And this was a lengthy process, as I know Tobin can attest. Phase one, identify what should even be included in college aim and identify the dimensions in which they should be evaluated, plus look at how to code these. Phase two involved identifying, reviewing, and then rating all that literature on college alcohol interventions, and ultimately rated almost 60 interventions on multiple dimensions. There's a lot on this slide, and that's intentional. It's really to show you how much was actually sorted out here. They were looked at in terms of relative effectiveness, based on higher effectiveness, moderate, limited, things that were just not effective, but then approaches where the jury was still out. There was either insufficient evidence, hard to interpret outcome data, uh, the amount and quality of research, um, the costs for not only bringing this to a campus or a community, but then adopting, implementing, and maintaining it, the relative magnitude of barriers, who needed to be the one to implement this in terms of staffing expertise, uh, strategy level, is this something that's nationwide, statewide, local, or in fact bound to campus, the public health reach, the targeted population, the research population. You know, was this something that was chosen to, found to work truly with college students or with the general adult population that we have every reason to believe it would still work with college students? For individual level only, we looked at short and long-term effects uh, and duration of those effects. And then the primary modality. Was this done individual in person um, or individual targeted? Was it group? Was it online? Phase three, was this iterative review process. I can say safely, I don't know if you would disagree or agree, I don't think there's any published article that's gone through more peer review in the, ever. Uh, what was done was 10 additional college alcohol researchers, blind to us at the time, they've since been identified, reviewed what both teams did, sent back pages of feedback, and said, you need to address all of this. We would address it, we'd send it back. They'd say, you still need to address this. We'd address it, we'd send it back, and only when there was agreement 
between the team that had developed this and the reviewers, did they say, we're good to go? And so through multiple rounds of, of review and revision, there was this consensus process that was able to take these decades of research and uh, all these studies into a user-friendly tool. Uh, this is a ridiculous slide. Um, I'm married to a sixth grade teacher who teaches 11-year-olds how to do PowerPoint, so they're, they're my competition. Um, and, and I don't like them, frankly. Uh, but uh, she's the first person that when she sees slides like this, she's like, why? Why do you do that? I'm like, because this is not meant to be digested. It's meant to go, whoa. And when you look at how much is in this, all of these strategies are, reviewed, are reviewed in, in College AIM. And it's, it's these approaches that we'll be talking about over the course of, of the day. Um, you can download uh, College AIM at this website. And they make available a PDF, and you can order the PDF, which is genuinely pretty. Uh, but it's honestly the HTML version that's awesome in terms of being able to play with it. And uh, as best as I can, I'll even try and bring to life some of what the HTML version does. Um, the question is, how can schools or even coalitions uh, use College AIM? There's a chance to review individual and environmental strategies to get a sense of really what's out there. Um, what are you doing on campus? What's the evidence for it? If it's a lot of evidence, great. But what could you do to complement that? If in a, a limited resource environment, you know, we're spending a lot of, of uh, resources on something that's not that effective, what could we replace? So finding new evidence-based options to replace the less effective strategies, or if there are gaps, uh, ways to address those gaps. And the idea is that anyone, whether it's a committee, even an individual person who's then gonna pool together these sheets, anyone reviewing College AIM can use their interactive strategy planning worksheet to select a combination of what's out there based on needs for the campus and budget. So when you look at how College AIM fits into the planning process, you're gonna see uh, these, these four components uh, multiple times today, and that's, that's okay. Because the intent is to consider first, what's going on on campus? And if you are off campus and you're looking at community issues, you know, what are the behaviors at play? What are the priorities? Once you've done that, select strategies after exploring what's out there. So here are our needs. Here's what we think could be used to address these. Let's take a look at what our options are. Plan then how to carry out strategies and measure results, and then implement the chosen strategies. Evaluate them and refine the program. My favorite single sentence from College AIM is this one. A mix of strategies is best. Because we've, I've overused the image for years that anything we do is a piece of a puzzle. I hear people talk about one piece of a strategic plan, but it really is highlighting this idea of a mix. The very first time I presented on this on behalf of NIAAA, they said, if you can really hammer home to people the idea that a mix of strategies is best, that would be ideal. Um, so I was like, well, how can I do that in slides that I would later be setting the federal government? So I came up with this. To clarify a mix of strategies, this is checks mix, this is trail mix, this is Sir Mix-a-Lot, and this, of course, is a mix of strategies. I gotta tell you, at eight in the morning, that's hilarious. Uh, so it's, it really is this package deal. Part, again, if you had to pick a page of College AIM that to me is the best part, it's this sheet. And it's literally meant as a shopping list. It's, a, it's take stock and then go shopping. And I, we, we did this as a team at the University of Washington on the student life side of what I do. And it was cool to look at, what do we think we have in place? Do we even have agreement of what we're offering? You know, do I know about programs that my colleagues didn't, or vice versa? 
Um, so the first part is to look at current strategies, identify the strategy, and then identify, is this individual? Is this environmental? Can we even agree? Uh, what does College Aims say about its effectiveness? What's the relative cost? What are the barriers? What's the reach? But then there's a notes and next step version. Do we need to keep it as it is? Do we have to tweak it to boost effectiveness? Do we have to add a strategy to complement this? Or should we be doing something different? Should we be shifting to more effective options? Then you look at possible new strategies. Um, what's the strategy name? Again, is it individual environmental? What are the ratings? And then considering, you know, what do we need to do this? What's the staff training needs? Uh, what other resources? Does this require a plan for conducting outcome? What I love about what College Aim made clear is this does not mean to squash innovation. This does not mean if you've got something that you're convinced is the next best thing. You know, certainly complement it with what's already effective, but evaluate what you're doing because you have the potential to add to the science. Uh, we've already gotten the email about Matrix 2.0, about the fact that because of a growing literature, this is meant to be a living document that we can actually add to, switch around as more evidence comes out. So once you've done that worksheet, consult College Aim to figure out where to go next. Um, the question is, what does the matrix look like? Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know it looks like this, but that's, that's, that's not what it is. We were talking about the fact we didn't know they were going to call it College Aim until right before it came out. We agreed that the matrix just sounded pretty cool. Um, but uh, what does it look like? There's actually two. Um, one for individually focused approaches, one for environmental level approaches. Purely as screenshots, and you're going to learn a lot more from Tobin about the environmental. I'll talk about individual. But you can notice these columns and rows. And the columns are sorted by relative cost, and then the rows are sorted by amount of effectiveness. So you can see the higher, uh, moderate, lower, not effective, and the ones that are too few. The one uh, uh, group of studies that were uh, not uh, rated in these domains is right above the legend. And these are ones where there's such evidence and it's such a recommended strategy federally, but it varies in terms of cost based on what a college campus is able to do, has to do with screening and brief intervention with referral to treatment. If a campus doesn't have a health center or a counseling center, that would be a pretty cost prohibitive uh, uh, step to take. But uh, certainly there are very large and very successful screening and brief intervention efforts on college campuses that I'll talk more about uh, after lunch. Uh, the environmental matrix looks like this, similarly rated by relative cost, similarly rated uh, by amount of effectiveness. You can then, in College AIM, if, if that grid in and of itself is a lot to digest, which it is, they organize every individual level uh, uh, strategy. And you can look at, notice for example, this one's coded as IND3. You can then go look and find where IND3 exists. And in this case, it's on the upper left as something that is effective and pretty low cost. Um, that's if you look at it from the PDF standpoint, you can do the same with the environmental. But if you go to the HTML version, you can actually comparison shop. You can click all of the strategies you're interested in, and then where it says print preview strategies, click on that, and it'll bring up a summary. Uh, from the where was this when I was in graduate school uh, category, the area that says references. You click on references, and it shows you all the studies that went into declaring that intervention effective or not. If you're like, wait, what? I, I've never seen that article. You click on the title and it gives you the article. And so this, I mean, the ability to access the science without sounding like an infomercial has never been easier. Um, that did sound like an infomercial. 
but it lets you see the ratings, it lets you see the references, it even lets you see the potential resources for what do we need to do to make this happen. That's new, and that's way different than what we had with the call to action task force report. Um, again, you click on strategies to print the reference or discussion section. So here's one example. Everywhere you see a blue title, you can click on it and it'll bring you the article right there. They also have, and this, since it was released, we already have made some updates too. There's a frequently asked questions category that's awesome. It's everything from frequently asked questions for administrators. You know, I keep hearing uh, parents say, well, I drank when I was in college and I'm okay. Or why don't we just lower the drinking age? Wouldn't that take care of it? And they provide science-based answers. There's even links to articles in the FAQ section. Um, and so this tries to anticipate up front what might those of us who work in student life, I mean, I have a foot in both worlds, but what might those of us in student life be encountering? What might administrators be encountering? And so on. So as a case example, um, keeping the matrix example going further, uh, say you've got Neo, uh, who's at a school that's targeting driving under the influence with a wrecked car display. His school is, at, is considering adding either a beer goggles uh, simulation, one of the fatal vision kind of things, or a bystander intervention program. So do they start with individually focused or environmental level approaches? Uh, milking the movie one last time, there's the individual focus or environmental level. There's the awesome view from Lawrence Fishburne's sunglasses. Um, and so if he says, uh, this turned out uh, formatted differently on this than on my computer, so sorry about some of the formatting, but the wrecked car display, that's not actually rated. And that's not something that has a lot of science behind it. And it can actually be potentially uh, pricey. The beer goggles program, that's not actually rated either. So when they look at uh, uh, the idea of bystander, they do see that bystander interventions are one where there's, there's few studies, but it's still on this, this list. And so perhaps they decide to go with a bystander approach. That's how this is done. It's a chance to say, what are we doing? What could we be adding? And what might we need to replace? So the other thing is to use College Aim to consider how students are even getting connected to strategies. What if you've got all these effective things in place, but students aren't properly getting funneled to them or through them? Uh, I made, I, we were at dinner last night, and I made the comment that I found this quote um, when reviewing literature uh, for a, a different presentation last year. Uh, that I think is really great. It says the use of effective interventions without implementation strategies is like serum without a syringe. The cure is available, but the delivery system is not. Bless you. Part of it is, how do we find these delivery systems? If you've got a list of, here's what we want to do, how are we going to bring that to the population that we're working with? And so part of what uh, a campus team can do, a community coalition can do, is consider what are those strategies going to be? Uh, how are we going to make sure people are getting connected to these approaches. So this, this came out September 22nd, 2015. Um, to my knowledge, you're the first state slash regional group to do uh, something like this, and I applaud you for that. But you know, what has been the early feedback thus far? Um, the feedback we have heard for sure is that people are really into the direct access to articles. Uh, if you don't work in research, uh, access to and even conducting those lit reviews can be time intensive and actually uh, depending on keywords, make that fairly challenging. Um, the worksheet, everyone's in agreement. If you, take, if you take one page that you do as an exercise, that's important. People really like the FAQ page. Uh, the PDF and the, and the print version has been ordered by a ton of people. Uh, the HTML version, again, really brings it to life in a different way. So much like the individual and environmental, it's not do we pick one or the other, it's both. You might find that both uh, serve very different values for you. Uh, I do know. 
uh, that it's helpful in prioritizing in a tough budget climate. And what I heard at NASPA's conference just, just in January was uh, people asked, where's this for other drugs? Where's this for other behaviors? And we're not there yet. I mean, again, this has been decades of research for alcohol, but people have said, I wish there was a similar tool for marijuana prevention and intervention or for sexual assault prevention efforts. Um, for coalitions, I mean, certainly do with this as you wish, but I think that what coalitions can do is to bring key stakeholders both on and off campus to the table. If you fill out that worksheet as a group, if it's not a group that's too huge, you know, within reason, uh, the various stakeholders that can impact on and off campus might be right there. And truthfully, many of the environmental strategies Tobin's going to talk to you about requires the involvement of off-campus partners. Uh, I really think you can reduce barriers to disseminating best practices by raising awareness of what works. And I'm going to talk in my presentation about some of the barriers that are out there and ways to overcome those. And then, since I mentioned it earlier, uh, despite the mix of, bless you, despite the mix of strategies being key, it is that reminder that any one thing we do is part of an overall puzzle. It really is highlighting this idea that everything on both sides of the matrix should be packaged. So to end perfectly on time, to tag over to Tobin, uh, I've heard some people go, wait, so we're done, right? It's like, of course not. I mean, we've come a long way uh, in the 70 plus years since Fry's article in 1945, but a lot more research is needed. The ones that are insufficient research or not enough to, to rate, we need to do more research on those. Can we move them to a different category? Uh, best practices in training and implementation. I was trained in the lab that basics, which is one of the gold standards in our field, was developed. And people say to me, um, what's the best practice in basics training? That's a great question. I mean, we've submitted that as a grant that has, uh, was, was uh, not yet funded. But um, that's a research question. So I talked to someone that's like, I got basics certified. I'm like, wow, that's not a thing, actually. So I don't know. I'm not sure who certified you. Um, but we need to know what those best practices are. Uh, what's the best package? I mean, is that even an answer? But if we're looking at packaging individual and environmental approaches, what is that best package? Uh, cultural adaptations. Art Bloom, who used to work with us down at Washington and uh, when he was down in Texas, looked at when we translate these approaches, not only around different cultures, but even different languages would impact. He looked at the impact of an alcohol skills training program uh, in Spanish uh, to, to Spanish-speaking students. Uh, I'm a trainer on a grant to Bonnie Duran, working with tribal colleges and universities across the country to look at what cultural adaptations to brief interventions need to be used on campuses for those serving and working with Native American students. With all of the studies that have been done on an approach like basics, not a single one has been done with community colleges. Christine Lee is my friend and colleague at University of Washington. I'm an investigator on her project looking at adaptations of these approaches typically tested with four-year schools to two-year settings, both community and technical schools. Uh, the overlap of alcohol and other health issues. Um, one of my uh, good friends and also hero in this field, Lori Davidson, in her work with the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, has said if campuses really and communities really want to look at suicide prevention, she says good alcohol prevention is good suicide prevention. Because the more we can do to reduce the really high risk things around drinking, that will pay dividends around things like mental health. The overlap of alcohol and other substance use. You know, again, I'm in a state that has legalized marijuana for recreational reasons. And, uh, and when we look at how polysubstance use and even simultaneous use hangs or doesn't hang, that opens up its own prevention concerns. 
And finally, the use of technology to promote change. Uh, I will end on what I hope you find to be a humorous note. Sometimes I have times where I'm sitting at staff meetings in our, in our research lab where I genuinely feel like the only reason I'm there is just to kind of make people laugh. And uh, I have a colleague that was doing, is doing research on Twitter to look at what people tweet about drinking and how that hangs with their actual behavior. And largely to make her laugh, um, I, I sent this to her. I said, if Twitter existed in the early days of psychology, it would have looked something like this. Have love. So if anyone has any idea how to get dog saliva out of a rug, I'd sure appreciate it. Hashtag should have put down plastic. Hashtag should have bought a fish. Pavlov's dog, you did this to me, bro. Quit complaining. What are you going to do, cry to your mom again? Hashtag always hungry when the clock chimes. Hashtag start researching cats. <laughs> Freud, hey, did someone say mom? Damn, sorry, my bad. Hashtag quit talking about your mom. So, I like to think that Sigmund Freud's Twitter handle would actually be Big Sig Freud. Uh, so... Um, exactly at 10.15, again, uh, acknowledging the, my colleagues at UW that helped with this, Vivian Faden, who really kept us moving forward, uh, I'll mention, uh, acknowledge Megan again, and truly say that uh, it's fun for me to get to tag team with Tobin, uh, on top of uh, a great guy and a huge contributor in this field. Uh, he really is on my list of favorite presenters, so I'm excited to hear from him and get to work with him today. So I hope as a brief overview, this was useful in getting a sense of what this tool even is, and now to talk about the environmental approaches, I will tag over to Tobin.